We're in Romans 14 this morning, and I, and I just want to look at the, actually the last two verses of the chapter. There's this discussion that's been going on in this particular chapter where Paul is, uh, he encourages them to accept those who are considered to be uh, weak in the faith, but don't accept them so that you might dispute over, I love what the ESV says here, that you would dispute over opinions. Um, and in other words, receive them, bring them into fellowship, but I don't know. I, there's a lot of ways to interpret this. This is really a deep chapter. I don't know that I've really, uh, I feel like we could, we're probably going to look at it some more Wednesday night as we did last Wednesday night. But it, it's really a deep chapter because I think part of what it's saying is don't be a fixer. Don't be a fixer. Um, and look at the ceiling. But, uh, but, but it, it's, it's not necessarily our call to fix people. Now, sometimes that God may lay it on your heart, and you better be sure that it is God who has laid it on your heart to maybe address something with an individual because uh, even if God lays it on your heart and you address something with an individual, it does not guarantee that it's going to go well, does it? As some of you, probably most of you, probably all of you in one way at one time have found out. And, uh, but... But it's, it's the whole discussion about eating meat. And uh, it could have been, now Romans 14 doesn't say, it's very vague. If you've read it through, it's vague. It's vague on purpose, by the way. I'll explain that to you or give you my thought on that a little bit later. But it could be talking about eating meat that was offered to idols that we looked at a couple of weeks ago in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 although it doesn't say that in, first, or in Romans chapter 14. Uh, it could refer, uh, and there is speculation that uh, this was written at a time when the Jews were finally able to return to Rome. They had been kicked out of Rome. They had been uh, essentially told to leave the city, and then they were allowed to come back into Rome. And you could have had the Jews coming back into this church that probably began Jewish, was a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. Most of the Jews were essentially deported. Uh, it probably became primarily uh, Gentile. And then the Jews were able to return to the city of Rome, able to return to their church. And they go to a church potluck, and they open up a dish, and what do they see? Pork. Could be. Or some other kind of unclean animal. Could be. Doesn't say it in Romans 14. It's a possibility. So it's, it's this idea of, of how we behave ourselves as far as that which we do in front of people who might be offended. doesn't say they will be offended, but they might be offended uh, based on our practice. And um, I, I think I'm actually going to get a running start on this and re- go back all the way to verse 14 and read it all the way through to the end of the chapter. Because the end of the chapter, the last part of the chapter, as one commentator described it, he described it as like a second coat of paint on the building, right? He said what he said in the first part of the chapter, and then he says it again in the second part of the chapter. Why do you think that's the case? 
my thought on that is that if when we see the scripture repeating itself is because it's important to emphasize that which he is talking about. It's, it's like a double emphasis that, that Paul is placing, that I believe the Holy Spirit is placing on this. Beginning in verse 14, it says, I know and I am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. Some of you who are uh, happy with indulging in your liberty, you should probably underline that. Some of you who like to condemn those who indulge in their liberty should underline that. There is nothing unclean in itself, okay? Um, But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So that's kind of the framework that we're called to think in when we're called to think about others. I'm going to use bacon as an example probably throughout this message today because it's pretty, I think most of us like bacon. All right, Um, maybe some of you don't. Um, I'm not going to try to encourage you to try it. You might think it's unclean, so I better, anyway. But, But that would have been an example uh, because it was a, a, it was not a kosher meat. That would have been an example of of what the churches could have possi- possibly have been dealing with here. It says, "Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, because of your bacon burgers, and incidentally, a cheeseburger would not be considered kosher under under Torah, right? Because that's eating that's eating meat and milk at the same meal." And so a cheeseburger is, is a no-go. So a bacon cheeseburger, boy, it's like double indemnity. You're in trouble here, folks. So don't go to me. Anyway, uh, but if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Can I be real blunt this morning? If you want a bacon cheeseburger with a beer, all right, don't let your good be spoken of as evil. In other words, some people are, may have a problem with either or because it does say drink wine earlier, later on in this chapter. We'll get to it, all right? Do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We taught on that last Sunday. It is up on the web. I would encourage you to listen to it if you haven't. I almost went there again this Sunday because to me that is such an important verse that the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but it is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That tells me that this chapter is not about eating and drinking. Follow my my thought on this? The eating and the drinking is nothing more than really an expression of what's going on in the heart. Or the sense of conviction that you have. Either to partake of or to abstain. As a matter of fact, well, uh, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me just just jump back into this and I'll, I'll, I'll... finish that thought in just a second for it says for he who serves christ in these things the kingdom of god is not eating and drinking but righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit 
for he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Why would it be approved by men? I can understand it being acceptable to God. I think as we read through, it'll start to answer that question. Therefore, in other words, because what I have just said, let us, read, uh, therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which one may edify, that is that word build up. We don't use the word edify anymore. It's, I would hate to use it on the street. They would, they would think you're weird. But this idea of building up one another or building up another, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. He just said that in verse 15, didn't he? So now we're doing the second coat. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things are indeed pure. All things are indeed pure. But it is evil for the man who eats with offense. I, I find that, that interesting where it, it says to eat with offense. What he's, what he's saying, it is, it is evil for someone who, um, in the ESV it says, it is wrong for anyone to make any another stumble by what he eats. In other words, if you take the attitude, I don't care, I'm going to have a cheeseburger with bacon and whatever else I want with it, and I don't care what you think, that what Paul is saying here, New King James translates it evil. ESV translates it simply wrong. It's simply wrong to do that. So you might have liberty because all things are pure. Why do I say all things are pure? Because the scripture tells us that. You might have liberty, but at times the best thing you can do is to refrain from that liberty. And... It is good, verse 21, neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. It, it is good to not do anything. By the way, we, it, the earlier part of this chapter, I left it out. It also talks about days that you observe, days that you don't observe, days that you would consider to be special days, holy days, days that you would consider to... For them not to be. But it is good that to not eat or drink wine or do anything which causes a brother to stumble or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? That word could also be, now it's the Greek word faith. It's the Greek word pistis, which is often translated faith, P-I-S-T-I-S, if you want to write it in English. But the, the, the Holman Christian Standard Bible translates that word as conviction, which I think is a good, a good translation here. Do you, do you have faith? Do you have conviction? In other words, is your conviction based on your faith? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Have it to yourself before God. I, I thought, I thought that, was, that, that fascinates me. Uh, in, ver, in the ESV, it says, the faith that you have, 
heat between yourself and God. We, hopefully this isn't going to be a rant. And I'm hoping that I'm trying for it not to be. But we live in a day and age where everybody feels like they have to tell everybody about everything about themselves. And we put it on Facebook, and we put it on Twitter, and we put it on, is it called MeWe? What a silly name. But anyway, uh, I guess that's an alternative to Facebook. Um, it didn't work for me. But, but, but it, it, you know, and that's the problem with social media is that everybody has a platform. And they want to be heard. And they want to be, we, we talk about transparency. Um, some of the s- stuff that I work with in, in my counseling studies, we talk about being transparent to people. But I think, I think what the Bible is telling us here, and I think, I think we've got to go back to what the Word is telling us, is that we don't have to tell everybody everything. And, and sometimes it, it's, it's best to, to keep some of these things because everything is pure, so if you want to have a cheeseburger with bacon, that's fine, but maybe you don't tell someone who came from an Orthodox Jewish background and is still practicing uh, kosher eating. You kind of keep that to yourself, the Bible is telling us, which I find fascinating because it's calling us to be prudent. Because, because in other passages, there's, the, there's this, there's this uh, 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 instruction that we're to live a life that is above reproach. We're to live a life that's open before others. But sometimes for the sake of someone who has not or will not or cannot Accept your liberty, the best thing you can do is keep it to yourself. And the, I think the thing is, the worst thing we can do is if we, if we have liberty in a certain area, I think the worst thing we can do is try to encourage someone who doesn't to try to try it out and step in. And, you know, it's really not going to hurt you to have a bacon cheeseburger, so I'll, let me order you one. I, 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 I think that's, that's where we, we cross the line at times. And we, we allow people to, we, we need to learn to really to allow people to walk their own, their own walk with the Lord. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. That word happy could also be translated blessed. Same word. Or as we can, get new, we can get King James about it and say blessed, which that's okay too. But so blessed is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. See, that's really important because the, 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 he's leading up to the next verse here. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. Because he who does not eat, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is of is sin. That is the function and, and the, really the wellspring and, and the, the centerpiece, although it's at the very end of this entire chapter. How do we live out our faith? 
the importance of walking in faith? And, and do we give careful consideration for how we live? Do we give careful consideration? And, you know, I throw out a couple questions to you. What, what guides your decision-making or your determining what you should or shouldn't do? What guides that? See, only you can answer that question. And to what degree have we thought our, out our convictions, whether we exercise liberty or whether we abstain? Either or. See, it's a two-sided sword here. And, and how, how much have you really thought this through, prayed this through, given, given careful thinking, read the Bible, and, and, and come up with, with, with your framework of how you're going to live your life? Which, if you have truly brought it before the Lord, it's not my business to tell you that you're doing something wrong. It really isn't, nor is it anybody else's. And are these convictions just something that has been passed on to, uh, from others? We learned them in church. I grew up in a church. I'm, you know I'm going to use my favorite saying. In a church that we didn't dance, we didn't drink, we didn't smoke, we didn't cuss, we didn't chew, we didn't go with girls who do, Right? And I heard, we, we heard that every single Sunday, unless, of course, he was talking about tithing. Um, it's just what it was, right? You're with me, right? Yeah. And there is a whole lot in the Bible that really gives us this, this sense of kind of a do's and don'ts. And boy, you can you can really you can really um, I shouldn't say this. You can really manipulate people with the do's and don'ts of the scripture if you really want to. And you know what? It's so funny about that because so many people just love that. They love that. And they like they want to come back for another beating. I've I've never understood that about people, but I I've seen it in so many different churches. Hopefully Hopefully I don't do that. Maybe I should start. Of course, you probably would all leave because of that. But, but it's, it's, it's a weird thing that, that at times that, that, that people just want to hear how bad they are. You know, I, I don't want to talk about how bad you are because you probably already know how bad you are. I want to talk about how good God is and, and, and that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But in this particular passage, because he's not done with it, when we get into chapter 15, he says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good leading to edification or building up. There's that word again. So the, the question is here as to how, how are we to live in the community of God's people? I think that's an important question that I'm going to kind of just touch on a little bit uh, toward the end. But what Paul is doing here is, is he's, in verse 23 where he says, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith, 
but whatever is not from faith is sin. What he's doing is he's hearkening us back to Romans chapter 1, verse 17, where he says, where the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just will live by, you know it, will live by faith. Quoting Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. The just shall live by faith. And so if someone eats in doubt, now this word doubt, present tense verb, okay? It's an action that, that is in the process or, or the state of, of, of happening with no assessment of the action's completion. In other words, it's an action that is happening, but they're not talking about how it ends. In other words, your whole life, as you eat your cheeseburger with bacon, your whole life is, is now become riddled with doubt. Now, what I, I thought about this, and, and I'm, I'm going to take a little liberty here. So this is a caution. Your mileage may vary. When people will do something and they do something doubting, Now, number one, they're not doing it based on faith, right? But what I, what I, as I thought through this, people who will do something that they doubt whether it's a, the right thing to do or not, there may be, they may be entertaining the idea, well, maybe this is sin and I shouldn't do this, but I don't know and I think I'm going to because I want to. That bacon cheeseburger looks really good. And so I want, I want to eat this. I, I, that, it looks good. And, and, and so what happens is we, we're not really sure. So we're, instead of stepping out in faith, we're, gonna, we're just going to rest in doubt and say, well, if it's sin, God will forgive me. Now, will God forgive you? Yes. If it is sin, yes, he will forgive you. But, but t- to me, that, that's not the calling of what we've been called to trust in. We're trust, yes, we trust in the grace of God. If it were not for the grace of God, we'd all, be in, we'd all end up in hell. We know that, right? You can't earn yourself into a right relationship with God. I trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross to pay for my sins. But we don't want to presume upon God's grace. Well, I'm not sure if it's right or not. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But boy, it's a nice looking burger. It smells good too. And so I'm going to have this bacon cheeseburger today. And God will forgive me. That's not even acting out of faith. You see where that's a problem? It's not even acting out of faith. It's, it, it's, it, it's, it's relying upon your insurance policy rather than being proactive and changing the batteries in your smoke detector. You see the difference? Well, if it's sin and it offends God, but he loves me and he's gracious. Yes, he does, and yes, he is. But I want to do that which I do out of faith in the convictions that I believe the Holy Spirit has given me and to do whatever we do. Paul says this to the Philippians, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, you do so for what? For the glory of God. And how can you glorify God if you're doubting, going, well, I don't know if it's the right thing to do or not, but he'll forgive me, so where's that burger? Right? I think that's part of what Paul is addressing here. He who doubts is condemned. Perfect tense, a completed action. 
It's not really an emphasis on the action as it is the state of affairs that the action brings. So we do things, but we doubt, but we're, then, then we condemn ourselves. Or we bring condemnation on ourselves. What I love about this is I look at Matthew 28. We won't take the time to turn there. But in Matthew 28, it's, it's right before the Lord gives, uh, gives him the great commission to go, therefore, and to make disciples of all nations. And he says that he appears to them, uh, and they all gathered, but it said that some of them doubted. Some of them doubted. And yet, it was the grace of God that he included not only the 11 uh, apostles, but all the disciples who were followers of Jesus, not, not necessarily every single one, but those who were following him uh, were there as well. And even though some doubted, he went ahead and he commissioned them. So even in the aspect of our doubts, now I'll be honest with you, I've never been 100% certain about anything that I've ever done. I just haven't. But it's, I, I want to step forth in faith going based on what I believe God is telling me, based on my faith in him, based on the conviction that he's given me because of my faith in him, I wanted to go ahead and do this. So it, 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 this isn't to say that, that if you're doubting at all that you shouldn't do something. But perhaps if you're doubting at all, maybe that's either a check that A, you shouldn't do it, or B, you need to really spend more time with the Lord about it. He who doubts is condemned if he eats, but because he does not eat from faith, but whatever is not from faith is sin. This word, not from faith, or this phrase, not from faith, in verse 23, in the second phrase where it says, not from faith, the ESV translates it, proceed from faith. What proceeds out of your life from the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ? I think that's the important question to ask. I, I, th- I think it, well, we, we really give some thought to this passage, and I th- this is really a deep passage. It, it, it took me all day Friday. I, I studied all day, well, not all day, but I studied really from sunup to sundown on Friday. Well, beyond that, I took breaks. All right. And, and I looked at what I had, and it's like, I don't even want to teach on any of this. And I, I felt like I hadn't even understood the passage yet. I'm not so sure I still do, as I'm up here telling you about it this morning. But I think this passage helps us to really identify those subtle areas in our lives that, that although we confess a faith, we don't fully live out that confession. And, and I think we all have have those areas somewhere in our lives that, although, yes, I believe this, but we don't necessarily live out, live out that confession. We don't necessarily fully live out our faith. Um, and, and if we make this all about meat or drinking or days that we observe or who the weaker brother is, gosh, I hate those conversations, and Who's the weaker brother or who's the stronger brother? If we make it all about that, or who can abstain or who should abstain or who can partake, then we totally miss the point. I think we totally miss the point. Um, 
we should ask the question, what guides our everyday life? What guides our everyday life? What guides how many cheeseburgers with bacon that you might eat in a given week or month? What's the criteria by which we decide to do that which we do? And, and, and we, all have, we all have certain convictions, don't we? I think we do. I think we all have certain convictions. How well do we steward them? How well do we steward those convictions? I think that's an important question to, to ask ourselves. Um, and I talked about it earlier. I think sometimes it's even a matter of whether we should even bother to share those convictions or not. Now, because I've met some people who believe that their convictions are universal. You know what I mean by universal? They believe that their understanding of the truth really applies to every person in every situation and in every circumstance. Those are fun people to talk to, aren't they? Is that true? I don't think it is. Now, there are certain absolutes that the Bible teaches, correct? There are certain absolutes. Hello? There are certain absolutes that the Bible teaches us, right? Yes, there are. But what I think this passage is really attempting to show us is the give and take in Christian community. I'm going back to that. I told you I would. I would end here. See, I, I, like reading, I like reading old Christian writings, like 3rd century, 5th century, 6th century. I, I, I like reading the ancients. And the, the interesting thing, and, and I, hopefully this won't offend you, okay, since we're talking about not offending our brothers and sisters. I read a fair amount of Benedict's writings, 6th century. Benedict wrote the rule of Benedict, which was the rule for the monastic order that was the Bened- what became the Benedictine order. And the three vows that the, the monks had to take to be a part of the monastic order of Benedict were stability, fidelity, and obedience. Stability, fidelity, and obedience. In other words, they had to at times exercise a conscience, conscious constraint on their engaging with one another because I would imagine living in a monastery with a bunch of guys would be really trying for me. I don't know about you, but to me it would be just difficult. Uh, And to live your whole life with them? But on a lesser degree, the church is called to be that spiritual community, that expression. And often what we do today is we're, we're not committed to a conscious constraint. We get upset with some people, things that people say to us, and then we decide we're going to go to the church next door. It happens all the time. But you see, our, our spirituality is not 
completely an individualistic pursuit. There is an individual aspect to our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, but it is not solely an individualistic uh, pursuit. It is a constant struggle between freedom and obedience. A constant struggle between freedom and obedience. Where we, we uh, uh, listen, and, and at times we assert things. Sometimes we listen to people. Sometimes we actually assert things. Sometimes there is a time to speak. Sometimes it's not a time to speak. Sometimes it's a time to simply listen. Because it's that constant struggle between freedom and obedience. Possessing something and letting go of something. Having the stability of of a stable life and embracing the instability of change. That constant struggle. And and I I think that's what this passage is really bringing out. Everything is pure. The bacon cheeseburger is fine. You have the freedom to eat as many bacon cheeseburgers as you want. But it may not be prudent in some circumstances to eat those burgers. And that's where the, the, the struggle, I think it's a struggle between our freedom and our obedience when we hear the Spirit saying, not this time, have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich instead. Yeah, I mean, bacon cheeseburger, peanut butter, and jelly sandwich. I mean, is that even a choice? Well, sometimes. (laughs) And so we have to place, I, I need to finish, but we have to place, I think, a greater value at times on how We treat each other. Look out for each other's interests. Paul says this in the book of Galatians. Not just for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others as well. Everything is pure. You have liberty. You have freedom. But sometimes God will say, 